Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. And today I'm presenting part two of a series that I'm calling All That I Have Is Yours. And I'm going to pick up where I left off in yesterday's presentation, which was part one. So if you missed that, I recommend you go back and listen to that one first and then come back and listen to this one. But before I pick up where I left off yesterday, I just want to briefly mention the reason why I'm calling it All That I Have Is Yours is it's a direct quote from the parable of the prodigal son. And I believe those words spoken by the father of the prodigal son to his older brother is a direct quote revealing the heart of God for us, to us, that he is saying to us, all that I have is yours, not going to be someday out there in the sweet by and by, but right now here today, all that God has is ours. That's what he's saying to us. And I wouldn't be saying that if I hadn't already studied it in the scriptures and found it confirmed again and again and again. And it has completely turned my thinking around and helped me to get a whole new excitement for the things of God because there's no longer any reason to be held back or be limited in our thinking or to sit around thinking we don't have when we already do have. God has done everything for us and given it to us in the past tense. And so it's up to us to understand, to believe what he's already told us in his word, and to see it and know it, and then to take possession of it. Because that's the will of God. That's the plan of God for our life. Now, we don't have to have the plan of God fulfilled in our life. God would want us to. That's his will for us. But it's up to us to go and get it, to take possession of it. And that's a message that I'm going to be repeating again and again, because all these wonderful things that God has already done and already prepared and already given to us and already revealed them to us by his spirit, if we would just tap into it, not a single one of those things come to us automatically. They're not going to just fall out of the sky and land in our lap. They're not going to interrupt us while we're doing something else. No, they come to the ones who are hungry, the ones who are seeking, the ones who are asking, and even demanding, God, do for me as you have promised. God has no problem whatsoever with people putting a demand on his promises. He wants us to put a demand on his promises. He wants us to take possession of those things. And he knows he's the one that instructed us that to do so requires us to take it by faith. He didn't just come and lay down his life and pay the price so that we could have possession of these things just for us to have some casual attitude about it. Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. No, he wants us to be a people who puts a demand on heaven, who comes in by force if need be, but take possession of everything that he died to give us. And you know, the other part of that story of the prodigal 
that often gets overlooked because so much emphasis is given to the prodigal and how he blows it and how he returns home and his father receives him. And that's a great story. But the story of the older brother often gets overlooked. But it's another story all by itself because he was mad. He was offended. He didn't understand. He didn't know the heart of his father, even though he'd spent his whole life around his father and being faithful to do the things that his father had given him to do. And I believe it's a great warning for all of us who have walked with God, because we can do the same thing he did. We can be around God. We can spend time with God. We can somewhat know God in his ways. We can be faithful to do what he's given us to do, but still not ever understand the fullness of what he's done for us and not enter into it because we don't even know that it belongs to us. Now, this topic that I'm attempting to cover all that I have is yours. Well, you can imagine we're talking about God. All that I have, all that God has. Well, that's a big topic. <laughs> we could spend forever talking about this topic and there would always be more because there is no limit to him. He goes on and on and on. The depths and the breadth of him surpasses our natural mind's ability to even begin to comprehend it. And so I'm going to try to take this one little piece at a time and just see how far we get with it. But I wanted to let you know that I've made a list of just some of the topics that would come under this. I mean, just consider each of these separately and how deep and how wide each of these would be. One would be the knowledge of God, which we're going to begin to talk about just a little bit today. And that all by itself is a topic that could go on and on and on forever. But just consider some of these others. The peace of God. He is the Prince of Peace. The joy of the Lord which is our strength. Imagine tapping in to the fullness of the joy of God. And how about this one? The love of God. Because the Bible says that He is love. I mean, if there's one single attribute that could define Him, that would be the one. But He's way too big to be defined by one single attribute. And how about the wisdom of God? What about the power of God? How about the authority of God? How about the healing power of God? How about His protection and His provision for His people? What about the presence of God that manifests among us here today in the earth? And so that's just a little list I just wanted to mention to give you a little preview of where I'm trying to go with this, because we have so much. God has done so much already, and He has given all of it unto us through Jesus Christ. And that's a whole nother topic. In fact, that's a topic that I'm going to have to um, present next after today's program, 
Because once we understand, we, we have to start there because God first put everything into him. He gave him everything. And the scriptures clearly tell us so. And so once it was given to Jesus, Jesus gave it all to us. And this is the amazing thing about it, is that anyone who has received Jesus Christ has already been given all of the fullness of God. And so we're going to get into that on tomorrow's program. But today I want to pick up where I left off yesterday and finish this topic referring to what we can know, what things can we know, and what things can we not know. So as I was sharing yesterday, I spent a lot of time stuck in a rut, going round and round the mountain, kept coming back to the same ugly spot of being frustrated with God, and a lot of it had to do with my own misunderstanding of the scriptures. And especially, as I mentioned to you yesterday, one of them was this one in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, that says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And so I read that, and I think, well, there it is in writing. You know, I'd already found the scripture before that says God hides things from us. Now I've got a scripture saying we only know in part. We only prophesy in part. So this missing piece that I needed so bad, I'm just thinking, oh, well, God's just never going to give it to me. He's letting me know in the scriptures that's just not going to come. It's not going to happen. Now, of course, I don't understand why it's not going to happen, why any good God would leave his children in the dark like that made no sense at all to me. No wonder I was getting frustrated. But now today I have a totally new understanding of that scripture because, as I mentioned yesterday, the scriptures help us interpret other scriptures because they're all true and there's no contradiction in them. So if our interpretation uh, contradicts another scripture, then our interpretation is wrong. And I found scriptures that clearly contradict the way I was understanding that scripture. And the first one I came across was 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That's what it says. You know all things. And of course, our natural mind begins reeling, begins trying to immediately rewrite it, redefine it. Must be a typo, right? <laughs> but if this was the only place found anywhere in the scriptures where it mentions something like this, then we might have cause for concern. But when this scripture is confirmed throughout the Bible by many others, and I'm going to go over a few of them today, then we have to make a choice as to whether we're going to believe what it says or just make up fairy tales about it, rewrite it, and change the meaning of the scriptures to something that is more suitable to our limited thinking. Now, I found another one in Romans 15, verse 14, where Paul is writing to the Romans, and he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Now, when he says filled with all knowledge, that includes all knowledge. 
and that sounds beyond impossible. They didn't have the internet back in the first century when he wrote these things. They had very limited access to knowledge. They didn't even have books back then. The printing press wasn't invented until the 15th century. And if they had anything written at all on scrolls, it had to be handwritten. And so the average person didn't even have access to all these kinds of things. They had to come together in their meetings and someone would stand and read it to the rest of them. So how in the world could Paul say that he's confident that they're filled with all knowledge? And so this is helping to steer us in the, in the right direction to answer the question, because in this natural realm, what the Bible says is true cannot possibly be true. There has to be this other realm to make it so. There has to be this higher realm, this uh, unlimited spiritual realm that can go far beyond these natural limitations and do what we cannot do, that only God himself can do, because in his realm, all things are possible. And if he says that we've already been filled with all knowledge, he knows what he's talking about. He's the one who did it. And the Bible tells us how he did it. He did it through Jesus Christ. And I found this very interesting scripture today in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, where it's talking about, it's a prophetic word about the Lord Jesus who would come forth uh, from the stem of Jesse, the father of David, and it's describing him. And in verse 2 it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And what I find very interesting there is not only did the Lord Jesus Christ come to us fully equipped with the spirit of knowledge, but it's telling us flat out that the, this kind of knowledge that God's talking about is a spirit of knowledge. What the heck is that? That's not natural knowledge. That's a spirit of knowledge. That's tapping into the Spirit of God, our Father, who knows all things. And so that's the reason why these other scriptures can begin to make sense. And that's the reason why that we today can actually have, and we do, all who have received Jesus Christ have already been given the mind of Christ. We have his mind in us, not going to be someday when we die, but today, right now, we have it now. We have his mind. We have access to what he knows. Everything he knows, we also have access to it. And that scripture that tells us that we have the mind of Christ is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. And the passage, if you read that whole passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's talking about the Spirit of God in us. And verse 12 in that passage, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 2, verse 12, it just clearly spells it out for us because it says, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And I like the way the whole idea is explained in that passage. I'm not going to read the whole passage here, but just to summarize it in a nutshell, it explains it in simple terms that we can relate to and basically just saying like, who knows what's inside of a man except the man's own heart within him that can search and know what's true, what he's truly um, hiding in his heart. You know, other people can't see that. But inside the man, his own heart, his own spirit, he can see these things. And in the same way, who would know what's inside the heart of God except the Spirit of God himself? He can search what's in his own heart. And so then it goes on to say, And we have received the Spirit of God in us. And because we have we have access to the Spirit, that same Spirit, His Spirit, that searches the deep, secret, hidden things of God. So therefore, we have in us access to the full knowledge of God. He has withheld nothing from us, and everything He's given to us has come by His Spirit living in us. And because it's all done by His Spirit, this is the reason why these things will never make a bit of sense to the natural-minded person, whether that person has been saved or not been saved. You know, you can be a Christian and still operate in your limited natural understanding if you choose to, but the only way we're ever going to tap in to all these things that God has already given us is by His Spirit in us. And so that becomes a huge uh, clue to us, instructions to us, that we need to understand how to receive from the Spirit of God in us, how to draw out of all those things that He's already put in us. And I believe it all begins with, first of all, knowing what He's already done, what He's already given us. He's not hidden those things from us because it says right there in the verse that I just read that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. He wants us to know these things. That's his heart's desire for us. And so this is the starting point. We have to know what's been given to us. And once we know that, it changes everything because we no longer sit around and think about what we don't have, what we can't do, what we can't possibly know. We, we don't get stuck in a rut that says, why God, why wouldn't you help me? Why wouldn't you give me that missing piece? No, instead, we can begin to come in agreement with Him and knowing His heart and understanding what He's already done and begin to partake of it, draw from it and receive it, tap into it and begin to operate in it. Yes, it's going to take some learning. 
It's going to take a lot of learning to understand how to walk in this other realm, how to receive, how to discern, how to hear his voice and receive from his spirit and understand what he's saying in us. But my goodness, we're going to have to start somewhere, right? We might as well get started just because we're not perfected and completed in our skills of drawing from that realm. If we don't get started, we're never going to get anywhere. And so partaking of what he's already given us begins with coming in agreement with him, not uh, being at odds with him, not fighting against him, not falsely accusing him, not speaking contrary to what he's already said in his word, but coming in agreement and saying, yes, that's what you said, that's what you did, that's what you gave me, and I'm taking possession of it and thanking you for it. Hallelujah, it's mine. Glory to God. <laughs> All right, well, having now established a few of the scriptures that I'm going to be sharing with you, I want to go back and now let's take another look at the verse that I presented previously, 1 Corinthians 13, 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Well, what could that mean? Now that we've already seen, we've been given the fullness of the knowledge of all things that we've already been given. Jesus Christ, who has on him the spirit of knowledge that we've already received in us, the mind of Christ, that we already have the spirit of God in us that searches the deep and unfathomable things of God and knows everything that's in his heart and in his mind, that we have all of that. And now what? We know in part. What could that possibly mean? Well, I came up with an analogy that I think makes this very simple to understand because in this day and age of the internet that's nowadays referred to as the cloud, the cloud uh, refers to everything in the whole world that's available on the internet if you tap into the cloud, if you log into the cloud, if you have uh, access permissions, you can access the whole universe of knowledge that's available on the internet because you're in the cloud. Well, we are not referring to the cloud in this case. We're referring to something way bigger than that. And instead of a cloud, it's above the clouds. It's up in heaven. And everyone who has received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord has been made, has been granted access, has been given citizenship in heaven. And so when we log in, we're given full permission. We're given full access. But in the same way that we cannot download the entire internet onto our local computer or onto our local phone because the hard drive space is limited. And so maybe your phone has a maximum capacity of 500 gigabytes. Your local hard drive on your desktop computer, maybe you have a whole terabyte of disk space. Uh, nowadays, some of these larger, newer computers might have a lot more than that, 5 terabytes, 10 terabytes, but still, there's a limit. So if you would try to download 
the entire cloud onto your local hard drive, you would very quickly hit the limits and would not be able to download any more data. And in the same way, we are now living in this natural realm, in a physical body, with a natural mind and a physical mind that has some limitations in this life. And so, if you would attempt to download all at one time, all of the knowledge of God, everything that God knows, your natural physical mind would not be able to retain it all. It's too much. It's too big. But the good news is that very same passage in 1 Corinthians 13 is telling us that those limitations will soon be taken out of the way because it identifies specifically in the verse right before that, in verse 8, specific things that are going to cease. They're not going to be needed in the age to come because we're going to be given glorified bodies that have a completely unlimited capacity for knowledge. And so it tells us that the day is coming when prophecies will cease. We're not going to need prophecies when we have our new glorified bodies with our new glorified minds. But as long as we're here on the earth, we need prophecies. And there are yet many unfulfilled prophecies that will be fulfilled when the Lord Jesus returns. And also in verse 8, it says that tongues will cease. Well, tongues haven't ceased yet, and they're not going to cease because we need that powerful ability to pray in the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in other tongues. But in the age to come, that gift will no longer be needed, so it will cease. And when we have our new glorified bodies, we won't even require knowledge in the way that we require knowledge today because we will be plugged in in a way that is unlimited all the time. And whatever knowledge we acquired on the earth, whatever memories, all those files will be transferred without any loss, without any file corruption in the transfer process. And so this passage is referring to an age to come when all those things will be changed. And it refers to that future age by saying in verse 10, But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And so we do not yet see the full completion of everything that God is planning for the age to come, but it is going to happen. And when we arrive at the completion of, of God's plans for this age, and we enter the age to come, then there will no longer be any need for all these limitations that we've endured in this life, in this age. So I hope that analogy helps clarify how those two scriptures that appear to be contradicting each other are actually consistent with each other because they're referring to natural things and spiritual things, and it's up to us to separate and to discern the difference between those two. Well, I'm going to stop there for today. I think that's plenty for one day, and I appreciate you listening all the way through to the end. 
and I'll be back again soon with part three. God bless you.